me division and community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division and community. Welcome to season four <laughs> of this little thing that we do that you guys have been so agitated at us for not doing. <laughs> I am Matt Fisher. I am your co-host and your care pastor here at Hill City Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I'm here with my co-host back again for the very first time. Back. Just like Ludacris. Yeah. It's John Wagler. Didn't Eminem sing Guess Who's Back? Yeah. Guess Who's, who's Back? back. back. Oh, that was Eminem, yeah. Yeah. Shady's, Shady's back. back. That's yeah. you. Shady. <laughs> Tell your friends. John. Yeah. How's your, uh, I feel like this is just the episode, right? It's only because I'm usually like, how are things? (laughs) Let's start with how are things in the immediate? (laughs) And then in the meat of the episode, we'll get into how are things like uh, over the last three months that you've been gone. Yeah. In the immediate, feels good for the kids to be back at school. Okay. Um, I'm feeling good. Excited about this season. Um, Are we still doing Stay Furious? Stay I don't think so, but we could. I'll just say something. (laughs) Okay. Because this is just, like, this happened on Monday that I was just like, oh, gosh, I can't wait to talk to Matt about this. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think that maybe nothing else angers me more in life. This might not be true. That might be just a dramatic statement, but... Then PDA couples at the gym. Ooh, at the gym? Oh. I've never, I have honestly not spent as much time as you in gyms, yeah. but did have a crunch membership for a season of life and never saw that. Yeah, six o'clock in the morning. Honestly, PDA couples at six o'clock in the morning. Really? Even anywhere. that in and of itself. It but like, like at the gym, I'm just like, oh, it was just too much. I feel like it's too much for a lot of reasons. The first and foremost is that Let's be honest about gym culture. There's sort of an elephant in the room that we're all wearing a little less than normal. <laughs> we're all sweaty. Like you hear a lot of like sketchy things about it. Like, oh, it's incredible. Like, most people sketchy. meet their uh, the person they cheat on their <laughs> spouse with at a gym. So it's, it's like that elephant's in the room. Yeah. Could you guys not make it worse by making it like so apparent that yeah. there's this weird like sexual energy that just exists in a gym where people are sort of half dressed and sweating yeah it was like he would kiss her multiple times like like between sets or if he would like go and do something else like he'd like rub her back while she was like doing stuff her shoulders and like and i'll be honest i don't know that she was totally down for it yeah because she didn't seem as like he just seemed like super needy yeah and um yeah, I just, I was like, man, I hate this. Like, I, I hate this, what I, you guys are doing. I have similar feelings about that at concerts. Yeah. Because it's also, we're all packed in here, we're sweaty. I know you guys have had some drinks. Like, Jenny and I went and saw the Mountain Goats, and there were these two. Now, it turned out that they were, like, blackout drunk. But, <laughs> yeah, they were just, like, making out. And, yeah. I was, and then, like, Jenny ended up having to catch her as she fell <laughs> because she <laughs> was very intoxicated. But it was just, like, even if they weren't super drunk, it's just, like... Come on. Yeah. Get, can we... I, I'm okay with PDA in certain circumstances. I'm not a super PDA guy myself, which is Me weird because but... I am very, you know, emotional, touchy-feely guy. But, like, yeah, I feel like it's similar at concerts. I like, just, we're all like, sweaty. We're all crammed in here. Listen, Don't if you want to hold hands, like, if, like, yeah, public, sure. if you want to, like, like, I get some couples are more physical touch-oriented yeah. and all that stuff. It's just, 
like read the room a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I will definitely allow that to be at, at least a stay furious for right now because yeah. that's that's a good one. I'll give you a second one. Okay. Since we're just on Yeah, it. just go for it because I'm not sure that we're going to do this. All right. <laughs> second one is just this. If you're an adult mm. and have not figured out how to chew gum yet, <laughs> you need to stop. I feel like this is also a gym thing. <laughs> this is like I've been around a couple people recently that just chew gum so loudly and open mouth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you are a grown adult. How has no one stepped forward? And that, like, these people are married. Like, I feel like their spouses should be saying something to mm-hmm. them. And um, so I just feel like if you have not learned how to chew gum at this point in your life, you should just for like just go mint, like hard mints. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which and for just, you, for you as a a denizen of the sport that gave us uh, big league chew, <laughs> that's true. Um, that's something. If you yeah, if it bothers it just, you, it does. It just bothers me. My friend, uh, we played a show the other night, and. Uh, my friend Drew that that plays guitar um, in the band that I'm in, he um, started, I don't know if he always did this, but like he started doing like um, sesame seeds, or not sesame seeds, sunflower seeds. Sunflower, oh yeah. Um, just like it's kind of just a- Just while he's playing? Uh, no, not oh, during playing. Oh, that seems dangerous. Um, <laughs> just afterwards, we're sitting at the merch table and he's like spitting sunflower seed shells into a bottle. Yeah. And I lean over to him and I'm like, hey man, you know, part of the freedom of being straight edge is that you don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> That's gross. That's like almost as gross as jaw. And he gave me a really good explanation about like uh, I can't remember. He was using it as like a um, as a uh, appetite curbing thing, which actually was pretty smart. Yeah, but <laughs> it was just a funny moment where I was like, "Hey, man, you know, it's kind of like it's like why would you smoke candy cigarettes? <laughs> it's like you know you don't have to do that gross thing that you're doing right now." But he had a good excuse. All right. So there we go. We're opening with Stay Furious. Yeah. We're back. Today, um, I think we're just going to do a little catch-up. Still a chill sesh. Yeah, a little chill <laughs> sesh. Um, things were supposed to not stop while you were gone. I will take responsibility for that. Um, our plan was, a little peek behind the curtain, was that we have some podcast content mm-hmm. um, that's for the connecting track. Yeah. This is also sort of a discipleship plug, maybe low-key discipleship plug, but like for the connecting track, which um, for those of you who don't go to our church, um, we have a discipleship program that's wonderful um, that we kind of, I would say kind of built from the ground up, right? Like we have a whole staff that works on it. And um, it's separated into tracks. There's exploring, there's connecting, and they're kind of all geared toward different questions you're asking or Mm -hmm. like phases of your life. And so there was some podcast content for the connecting track where we interviewed some folks, and um, some of it probably will still come out on Stay Curious at some point, but our goal was to like release it while you were gone, right? Um, but it was just really weird uh, to line up that with making sure that the people in the connecting track got to hear it first. And there's a little piece of me kind of, this is, I'm totally going off the cuff right now, but there's a little piece of me that's kind of like, no, take connecting. I'm not giving it to you for free. <laughs> <laughs> Although there were a couple of episodes that like we definitely will put on Stay yeah. Curious at some point. Um, but so I just kind of got a couple of weeks into you and Lacey being gone and I was like, you know what, we'll just take a break and come back with a new season. And um, maybe we will share some of those podcasts with y'all. Yeah, I think there. it'd be good. Those there's There are a few of those in particular where I thought were like really good that yeah. everyone should hear. And Yeah, um, yeah. But maybe, I don't know, maybe we could hang it over their heads and make them <laughs> sign up for connecting instead. <laughs> They're really good. And if you want to hear them, <laughs> you got to get behind the paywall. No, just yeah. kidding. Um, so anyway, that's why we've sort of taken an unintentional break. But now we're just going to use it as a way to start. Season four. Fresh. Start fresh. Yeah. And uh, in the next, you know, 20 minutes or so, we're going to hear about 
um, what John and Lacey um, kind of learned on their, well, what you learned on, you yeah. can't speak for Lacey, but you guys yeah. were both on sabbatical. Yeah. Um, so we're going to hear a little bit about that, and it'll be kind of fun because I, you and I grabbed lunch mm-hmm. halfway through, yeah. about halfway, three quarters of the way through, halfway mm-hmm. through. So I got a little update, but yeah. some of this will be fresh. We haven't really rehearsed this. I'll yeah. just be hearing about your sabbatical. Yeah. And so will everyone out there. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and have a welcome back and hear what Wags learned and thought about while he was taking a break. Take a break to take a break. That's done. Y'all know we stay curious over here. All right. And we're back. So, John. Hmm. What's your middle name? Joseph. John Joseph Wagler. It's weird because there's a guy named John Joseph. He used to sing for this band called the Cro-Mags, and he's kind of like a, kind of like you if you were punk, actually. Now that I think about it. You guys are similar. It must be a name thing. Um, John Joseph Wagler. You went on sabbatical. What does that mean? Sabbatical is just an intentional break where you are, um, you build in like a time of rest, but also it's a time to, uh, it's almost like restorative in nature. And uh, you step away from all your kind of normal duties of work. And um, and so, you know, Lacey and I have this unique kind of scenario where we're both co-leading and co-pastoring the church. So we both were on sabbatical at the same time. And, uh, and so we did it, you know, a lot of times, like if someone takes a sabbatical, it's just like them and their spouse might be working or mm, whatever. Yeah. But um, so... Yeah, so we both went on sabbatical for about 12 weeks. 12 yeah. weeks. Yeah. Right. So that's like three months. Yeah. Basically the summer. Um, what, I guess for those that don't know, like for a Hill City, I mean, I know it's probably different for different pastors. And sure. I know it's different, like sometimes people in the corporate world take yep. sabbatical. It's at, in the academic world, a lot of professors oh, academic. do it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, corporate world, they probably don't do it enough. Yeah. Um, so for you as a pastor of this church. Yeah that um, we are kind of, you know, we're not part of a larger denomination. There's not really like a rule book, right? Like yeah. we're kind of figuring it out. What did sabbatical look like for you, both practically and, I don't know, interiorly? Yeah, you know, I think the the big part on the front end was the thing that maybe people don't understand about ministry is it never stops. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it doesn't ever stop. And, you know, um there's a level of it to where even if you intentionally try to rest every week, which we take a Sabbath every single week, but you know, um, if we're out to dinner and someone knows that we're in ministry and like, this is happened, like the waiter, like, is like, Oh, I heard you guys are pastors. And then all of a sudden we are now having a full on counseling session with our waiter, yeah. you know? And, and so there, that stuff happens like a lot, like even during sabbatical, there were several times where talking with just people at the gym or, uh, on my basketball team or um, a friend of mine went through a really bad tragedy and uh, talking with some old teammates, it was like instantaneously you are thrust back into just like the role of like shepherding or the role of just like spiritually guiding people. And so it is a nonstop thing. And even if you try to like shut it off, when you actually f- truly feel the weight of what you're doing in ministry, uh you have this deep compassion and concern for the people in your congregation. And so um, there are plenty of nights and mornings where like I wake up in the middle of the night, Lacey does this too, like 
where we just wake up with like something deep on our hearts, you know, or we're spending time in prayer during different times. And so there's like this constant, it's like constant, it's nonstop. Like I worked in the corporate world and worked hard. It is not constant. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you can, like you, if you bring it home with you all the time, you're choosing to do that. Right. You know, if you are stressed out because you're overworked, you're choosing to do that. In the ministry world, like even if you set up boundaries, it is, it, it's, it's essentially impossible to not bring it with you. Like it's even like being back. Like I was in a conversation with someone who was going through like a really hard time and that just sticks with me, Mm. you know, at night and it Mm. sticks with me. Like it just, it's just a nonstop kind of thing. And so what sabbatical is intended to do is um, we wanted to set up for our staff to be able to, and it's different, it's layered for different for different people, but to be able to create healthy rhythms and so when people are on staff for seven years, they get some kind of sabbatical. And um, and so, again, that'll look different for, for everybody. But, um, yeah, we wanted to establish that rhythm because, you know, we all have our normal, like, kind of yearly stuff that we, you know, get breaks with and everything else. But we just wanted to, to be able to take an opportunity to be like, hey, all right, we're going to step away. And the beauty of that is it's not just good for us as leaders it's also good. It's good for the staff because they step into things that they wouldn't have otherwise necessarily done. Um, it's good for the congregation. You know, you hear different voices. You see that, like, um, we don't ever want to be personality driven. You know, there's always going to be, listen, you, like, you can't fully escape that. Yeah. But, like, um, but we want to, like, <laughs> push that down as far as we possibly can. And so it's good for the congregation as well. So that's the premise of kind of why. You know, we do it practically. And then there's a spiritual side of just, there's no biblical mandate to do it. Um, and for everyone that does it, it can be a different season. It can be, um, I had, you know, friends who did it actually the same time I did in different parts of the country. And their sabbaticals looked radically different than what mine did just because of stage of life or age of kids or honestly their own personal health, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so I know one guy was like in counseling a lot, mm-hmm. like throughout his sabbatical, um, because he was like so burnt out. But so it can be different for different people as well. Yeah. And did you and or Lacey engage in any counseling or was it more like just rest? Uh, it was more on the rest side. You know, um, we did go down to Louisville to see friends um, that are counselors um, down at Crosspoint and organization you know obviously incredibly well but yeah um, they just do wonderful work and we so we spent two days down with them with like it was a marriage intensive kind of um it's funny because on the marriage side like i do so much work with couples and like mm-hmm. so i there was like a piece where i'm like i didn't know how, that we needed it mm-hmm. as much yeah. um on that side so we didn't really like focus that much on the marriage piece it was really more um, it was probably one of the coolest things that I've ever done, um, honestly. And Lacey would probably say the same. But, you know, we uh, they, they were like, all right, we just want to hear your stories. And it was like really cool because you, you, you share your story with people all the time, you know, but you never share it sequentially. Mm, yeah. And, um, and so what they did was so cool because, you know, I was like, well, how do you want me to start? And they were like, your earliest memory go, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, and so we started talking about it and I was like, well, you know, like I don't have a ton of memories as a kid mm-hmm. because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things that happened that I think my, my brain shut down mm-hmm. until I was about 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there's a, there's a block on a lot of things. And, um, 
but we're starting to talk through like a bunch of stuff, you know, what I do remember. And, and it was really cool because what they started to do was they would see that, you know, they have this objective outside view. Yeah. And so they're able to kind of like look in and be like, Hey, have you noticed this theme, you know, and, and let me connect these dots for you. And, and, um, and then they were able to just encourage, you know, um, both of us in a way around our stories and, mm-hmm. and even having like some moments of just kind of being like, Hey, let's just take a second and grieve for your eight year old self, yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, and then, but also like, uh, some things that they pointed out about leadership and about, um, some things that like kind of God's grace in my life mm-hmm. that maybe I never would have put words to in the way that they did, yeah. uh, was really cool. And, um, it was, it was emotional. It was exhausting. It was, uh, and like mine took right around five hours, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, um, to do that, it's, I mean, yeah. like, I think we fell asleep at like eight thirty that night. I mean, it was like, it was so tiring. It's exhausting. Yeah. And, uh, but it was so fruitful. Like yeah. there are, you know, a couple of things like in there in particular that, uh, were very, um, meaningful mm-hmm. and, um, and it was really cool. Like he was telling one part that he said, you know, um, this guy Cliff, he was just saying that like, you know, he's like, Wags, there's a piece of your story that um, you have like this uh, anger inside of you. Um, but he was using it uh, in a good way. Mm-hmm. He's like, you got this anger inside of you that wants to acknowledge pain, but you also have this ability to see joy in pain. Mm-hmm. And I um, mean, you want people to see that joy in pain. Um, or finding joy in the midst of pain. Um, and, uh, and that you're, you're always, because as you're sharing, you, you consistently come back to like this, yes, but do you see, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of stuff like in the midst of pain and suffering. And, um, and some of that's just because of what I've, you know, been through in my own life. And, uh, and that it like, like angers my soul when people like just get stuck, you know, or ignore, Mm. do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so um, it was cool, like like just watching him tease that part out, yeah. you know. And so anyway, he's great at that. And Cliff yeah. and I have um, have uh, burned a lot of oil on anger in our conversations. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's funny we always have a great um, a great dialogue, which which I think will continue. Cl- uh, you guys are going to hear from Cliff maybe in next episode or maybe yeah, yeah. the next few because yeah. that's one of the guys that we um, interviewed that didn't mm-hmm. get aired this summer. Um, but he's the is it executive director and he's one of the guys at Crosspoint, yeah. which is this wonderful counseling ministry and uh he and i have had this great lunch one time where we were really it was one of those fun things where we we're kind of getting at the same thing but from two very different mm-hmm. angles um like you and i love to do and about anger and i was like showing him videos of my band and like talking <laughs> to him about hardcore and like talking to him about like my relationship with anger and he was just like oh yeah i never thought of it that way because his angle was really like not being allowed to be angry or repressing yeah. his anger and learning to to have a sort of holy relationship with his anger and um that i'm really glad you guys got into that yeah that's cool that's definitely a bell he likes to ring yeah it was super cool and you know uh, one thing i also found to be interesting because um you know we we met with them him and his wife and then um uh and then we also like encountered a couple other counselors like over sabbatical and it was interesting not in an intentional way just more yeah. conversationally it was interesting that one thing I, I've noticed over the last couple of years is that those in the counseling field um, have a difficult time uh, seeing or trusting in good. 
mm. or healthy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I understand why, yeah. obviously, yeah. when you're just inundated with yeah. like unhealthy or people trying to cover things up or whatever. Um, and it was interesting, like just sitting through some of that stuff because it was a reminder of, you know, uh, never losing your uh, attachment to uh, in the beauty of someone being healthy or no, mm-hmm. you know, or the beauty of good. Like mm-hmm. for instance, I'll give you a, an example. I was talking with one person who was talking about the story of uh, Jesus walking on the water. Mm-hmm. Wonderful story. One of my favorites. And uh, he was sharing, uh, the counselor was sharing about how, you know, God's always with us in the storm, mm-hmm. which is part of that story. However, when I see that story, it's actually, yes, that's a part of the story, but truly at the end of it, the disciples are able to see Jesus the way he wants them to see him. And they get this sense of life about them. Mm. And so it's like the good, it's not, it's not just about the storm. It's like that Jesus calms the chaos and he brings peace Mm -hmm. into the midst of this. And then you're able to see the beauty of who he is Mm -hmm. in it. And so it's an interesting just piece, just um, that throughout the sabbatical that just happened a few times in conversation. And I was just like, huh, it's just like, I understand why you might not lean negative, but maybe skeptical, you know, on some stuff. And, uh, or like when you, when people read scripture and this might just be for a lot of folks right now that you can focus on, uh, uh, some of the more negative side of scripture, be like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just always the storm or the storms are coming, (laughs) you know, whatever, but missing out on like the other piece of it. So, yeah. And I think that's one of the challenges, um, of like church or ministry at all, right? Like ministry leadership, but I think definitely church leadership and teaching and stuff, right. Is that, the beauty of anything worth learning, I mean, whether it's the Bible or art or uh, whatever, you know, is that it's um, it has layers, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like <clears throat> your angle on uh, Jesus walking on the water and this other guy's are both true. Correct. And so different people need to hear the different perspective depending on where they're at, um, not just circumstantially, but psychologically, spiritually. Sure all that stuff. And so it's so tough when you endeavor, and I think this goes back to your like needing rest, right? Like um, uh, leaders needing rest, especially in ministry. When you go into this endeavor of, okay, we're going to get together once a week, we're going to sing together, and then um, someone's going to teach. Because it's like, I felt this having taught uh, Mm -hmm. while you were gone. Yeah. Twice. Twice. I spoke twice. And the great pressure of like, some people in this room are going to need my perspective on this. And some people in this room aren't. Correct. And like, how do I know, you know, and our, our, I feel like very Western brains go to like, how do I quantify it? Like, sure. well, 60% of the people get it. Is that good enough? Does it need to be 80? Who cares? Maybe it's a, it's a one lost sheep situation. Only 10% need to get yeah. it. And you start to try to like calculate your perspective on a scripture <laughs> and think like, will the most amount of people need my hopeful interpretation of this? Or am I going to biff it? And like, actually people needed a more like, you know, in the storm. And there's no way to know. Cause you're looking at how many people do we have on a side? 400 people or whatever. You're like looking at a room of 400 people. Preserves, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I hope that's the one. <laughs> it's like <laughs> such a crazy, um, I kept saying to Joe, uh, while you were gone and I was prepping for my two sermons, especially the second one, because the first one I'd kind of had in my head for years. Sure. Yeah. And then the second one, Nicole was like, do it again. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was just like, I kept looking at Joe and I was just like, man, this is hard. <laughs> this is like so hard. Yeah. And I don't really know that I gave it the credence that 
I, I mean, I, how can you, right? You don't know how hard Correct. Throwing, yeah. you know, throwing a football is until you have to do it under pressure you yeah. know, with people <laughs> watching. Yeah. Um, but I, it was that where it's like, it's so hard to teach anything that has multiple dimensions mm-hmm. because you know that you only have your perspective and that there are people in the room who might need, you know, where I might come in on a thing and be like, yeah, it's tough. Just sit in it. Jesus is with you. Sure. You might come in and be like, time to get out of it. Yeah. And which one, you know, it's so, it's, yeah, I, it's, I mean, it's an open question. I'm just like, it is. It's I, hard. I would love for listeners to sit in that yeah. <laughs> pressure of like, what am I? Whereas if you're the CEO of a company, it's like you get up in front of the board or whatever and you're like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, but there's no, you're the captain. You got to tell where the, you got to tell everybody where the boat's going. Yeah. It's like such a unique, it pressure. is. It, it's a. It is a huge pressure. I mean, like it. it I, someone asked me, like, you know, did I miss teaching when I was gone? And I, I said, yes, for sure. Like, I love doing it. I love prepping it and um, all of that. Um, I don't miss like the stage part. Like, I don't. It's not about yeah. the stage piece for me. But, um, but there is like a great pressure that goes along with. I mean, the Bible talks about you're held more accountable. Yeah. You know, and so it's like. Yeah, anyone can get up there and do one or two sermons. You know what I mean? But when you have to do it a lot yeah. and you have to like come back week after week or you have to, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard because yeah. like you do feel the weight of it every single time. And and even when like you, you feel like you want to be a little more aggressive on something, like you feel the weight of like, yeah, but I don't want to like, what if someone's just not ready for that? Right. You know, like there's like that yeah. piece. And then, you know, like then you got to convince yourself to trust in the spirit of God, you know, like all that mm-hmm. stuff. And um, I read a book that we're going to read uh, as a staff um, called Letters for the Church. And Francis Chan, hearing him talk about preaching, uh, I read this for a sabbatical. And it really convicted me in an unbelievably deep way because he said he started changing the clock um, whenever he preaches. And so um, he changes it now to count down from 40 minutes mm-hmm. because his opinion of preaching now is, I want to be so in tune with the, with what the spirit of God is telling me that I'm looking at that, that this, I might die tomorrow. And this is the last time I get to speak with God speaking through me. Mm-hmm. And, and he wants to see the countdown actually happening. Mm. And so that he's like, I want the spirit of God to speak through me. And I want to say everything I believe God wants me to say. And I don't want to hold back. Mm. And it was just like this deep conviction of being like, I don't want to try to make something interesting. Like I want the spirit of God to be what moves. And, um, and so there's like a, a deep convict cause I feel that creative pressure, you know, and I'm sure you did too, when you were prepping, yeah, like, crazy. and then once you start being like, you know, you get a couple of years in or a few years in whatever, you're like, man, I've used that illustration before I've done this. You know, it's like, uh, you feel a little bit of that. And, um, but it was like very convicting to be like, I, man, do I really fully trust like the spirit of God, mm-hmm. you know? when I'm speaking, like I've done the prep work and I've done the prayer, like, but do I trust that the spirit of God is just going to move? And I don't need to necessarily make something like, I don't need to make scripture interesting. Like it's the, it's the, it's the breathing like word of God, you know what I mean? And so anyway, those are some of the things like on the preaching side that were just interesting over sabbatical to start processing. Yeah. Did you learn? So as you sort of maybe move toward a spirit led, Mm-hmm. Um, which for some people can have a negative connotation of like, oh, cool, the wag's going to start preaching for an hour 20, you know. Yeah, know. Um, but if you, as you start moving toward that more spirit-led teaching style, mm. um, what, was there anything you learned over sabbatical about like how to get in tune with that? Like how to, 
practices or just like internal ideas that you had or anything of like, okay, I'm going to start letting the spirit lead. Here's how I, f- here's how I like t- turn down the other, the volume of the other radios yeah. in the room and like tune into what the spirit is saying. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard because like you still have your own thoughts, right? And it's hard to figure out sometimes what's your own versus what, you know, might be the spirit of God. And so I have uh, ramped up prayer, you know, around it. Um, more, I, I even have more on a Sunday than I normally have, okay. you know, um, like heading into the service um, throughout the week. I've just started to do more. I have more prayer time yeah. and uh, I'm doing more of that. I'm honestly like there are pieces in sabbatical of like both you and I love looking at culture and talking about culture yeah. and like, you know, looking at little nuances of it and all that yeah. stuff. And I still enjoy that. But part of sabbatical too, that I found like interesting in my soul that, that, ta- that kind of leans more into of just letting the text be the text and mm-hmm. you know, all that and preaching is, um, there were certain things that I felt like someone might say like, Oh, you feel a little bit more progressive on something or you feel a bit more conservative on something. But what I found myself doing on sabbatical is uh, it's hard to describe. I can't do this because we're not video, but like, it's like there are several things that I was like, if you get like close to the progressive side, let's just say on something, I just felt myself being like a quick U-turn and start going away from it. You know, the same thing, like there might be some like over here that I feel like maybe I lean this way. And I'm like, cause it just seemed like I felt myself um, getting a little bit more into, you know, is culture having too much of an impact, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, that's part of why I read so much of the early church on sabbatical. Cause I was like, I don't want, I don't want to hear about social media. I don't want to hear yeah. about, you know, how to, you know, handle stress in the workplace right now. Like, or, you know, whatever, what's going on with the stock market. I like, I wanted to hear about like people in 150 AD, mm-hmm that we're facing the same core principles of what we are now. Like, what did they do? Like, what did the Christian movement look like? And what were the things that like they really focused on? And um, that's how this whole devoted series came about, you know, and that we're in right now. Um, But what were the things that like, they were like doubling and tripling down on and that they would not waver on that were really like driving forces in the community. And, um, and so that's like really where I spent most of my time like studying and sabbatical and really had a deep impact and kind of just how I feel like the spirit started to move in me, uh, around it. Any good reading, um, recommendations for that sort of stuff? So I, I'm, uh, this one book, Resilient Faith, okay. um, is from this historian and, um, it's a, it's a, it's a readable book, yeah. you know, for anybody. I just loved it. Um, it was, um, his name's Gerald. It's like Sitzler or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved it. Like I, I, I loved it. I listened to some podcasts too, just around like early church stuff. Uh, and that was just me like searching, you know, on mm-hmm. iTunes, but, um, I'm trying to think of the other book I read. Um, I'm drawing a blank on it right now, but, um, I, no matter what the, the, the focus of, what the early church did was um, it was like unbelievably convicting yeah. um, to me. And so um, I also wrote a book, Mark, but Mark, Mark Zayer's new book on non-anxious presence. Oh, okay. And um, he taps in the early church stuff there. And um, that's a wonderful book as well. And, uh, and then some of the things that he references in his book, I, I went back and kind of looked at like some of the things like he notes, he's yeah. like, this is where I got this from. And um, we're reading. So I would go and research just like old letters right. 
um, of some of the people like from like Tertullian and like read some of his stuff and origin. And, um, uh, there's this let, uh, letter to, it's like, uh, it's not, it's like Diagnosis or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and just like seeing some of the things that they were writing, mm-hmm. like, you know, 2000 years ago yeah. that we have, like, yeah. it's not like someone's like, someone's like, yeah. And I, I guess they said, it's like, no, this is like their writings, you know, it's just so different. Yeah. Than what we experience now. Origin. It's my guy. <laughs> um, it's so funny, too. I always wonder, this is sort of an aside, but I wonder how Sayers does it. Because that dude's super cool. Like, he's a guy who can talk to you about how, like, Japanese broadcasting in the 90s somehow affected American politics. I, like, he knows everything about culture. You know how, like, uh, there are musicians, artists, athletes yeah. that have something other people don't have. Truly. You know, like... Like a Michael Jordan right, or a yeah. Tom Brady or you know, name a musician, whatever. I think that's his brain with this stuff. Yeah. Like the more I've like read his stuff and listened to him, I'm, I don't even understand like how he can break down China's economic system and the way that their religious system works and the yeah. and like quickly move over to a whole different. Let's talk about Sri Lanka as well, yeah. and intelligently engage all of that while also just breaking down scripture. <laughs> like it's. I think he's got a different brain. The Australians, they have less like preservatives in their food or something. (laughs) I don't know what it is. The meat's better. Less gluten in their food. I guess so. It's so funny too because when we read his stuff, I like simultaneously hated it and loved it. It was so (laughs) weird. Like he would get me kind of wound up a little bit and then he would open a chapter with like a Murakami quote. And I was just like, why do I like you as a person? (laughs) I don't like what you're saying right now. It was good. It was like a good cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I hear what you're saying. Like I really like that takeaway. Um, for you of like you know one of the i've heard it said that one of the pitfalls of being center right um or or centrist or middle middle of the road Mm -hmm. is like you kind of eventually fall victim to just being not something else like you were saying you were describing in your head like oh i feel like this is too quote-unquote progressive so i'll like i'll u-turn yeah or like now it's too conservative i'll u-turn and you ultimately it's kind of like it's hard to get anywhere if your whole life is just like U-turns. Yeah. I feel that a lot too. Yeah. Um, and and have felt that in the last probably year. I was like telling somebody the other, the other day about, I'm shocked about the amount of things that I have come back to from what I thought or believed in high school, but just for totally different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, um, it, it's crazy. Like, I feel like I made these wild, uneducated, totally like, you know, gut reaction statements when I was like 15 or 16 and then moved away from them kind of as I grew as a person, but got to a place where I was like, all I'm trying to do is not be, not be who I was when I was 15 anymore. I'm not just being who I am. I'm just trying to not be some other version of myself. And then, uh, I said to somebody the other day, which was something that like an elder straight edge person said to me when I was in high school, if you can't, he told me, he's like, well, remember if you can't keep a promise to yourself, how are you going to keep a promise to me? And that's like so overly simplistic and sure. something that sticks in a teenager's head. And so I kind of abandoned it, I feel like. But then I've just been thinking about it the last couple of months. And I was like, that's a wisdom. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I probably clung on to it for the wrong reasons. But now I'm kind of back around to stuff like that. And yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. 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 There's just like, you know, over sabbatical, I just, um, I, I was asking myself questions about like, do I really believe like, here's some of the questions I was, do I really believe God still does miracles? Mm, okay. And um, if I really do believe that, then does my prayer life match that? And do my expectations in my prayer life match that? Mm. 
And, um, and so, or do I, you know, do I really believe what Jesus taught truly works, Mm -hmm. you know? And if I do believe that, then how I teach and how I think and how I process culture around me, is it actually through that lens? You know, do I believe in the full story of scripture so much and trust in it so much that I actually, I'm not being centrist. I am being gospel centered and letting that drive. Right. And so, um, you know, Tim Keller uses this idea of being winsome, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and some people will hate that phrase because they're like, Oh, you're not doing anything. And, and that's just, people are going to critique anything, but like, um, but I think it's a interesting phrase because like when you do read about the early church, they were incredibly winsome within the empire. And, uh, but they also, they had this hard driving element to their culture that there was no mistaking who they were and how they went about their life. And, um, and so there, there were like those things that have honestly been super impactful to me and, um, are going to come out. I mean, they're already coming out in this series that I'm teaching, you know, talking so much about the fear of the Lord and all that stuff. Um, because one of the things I wrestled with and trying to have like an honest, like me and God moment during sabbatical was like, is my, how much of my faith or how much of how I think about, um, my relationship with God is, is built off of fear versus faith. Mm. And, you know, cause fear and control are how all religious systems are built. Right. You know? And so, but we can all like move into that just internally by ourselves, mm. you know? And, um, and I started to question how much for me, uh, was starting to, to feed into that versus like an utter, just like, I'm going to have faith in who Jesus is. I'm gonna have faith in the story, uh, of Jesus to its fullest extent, you know, and, and what does that look like to, to drive like my thinking and my heart and, and everything. So those are some of the more significant things over sabbatical. Yeah. Your, your comment about the fear and faith reminded me of a Henry Nouwen thing I read just this morning. I wrote it down, um, about like, questions and answers he says seekers must come with a question without a question answers are experienced as manipulation or control like i think that's so many of us especially if we were raised in the church it's a lot of like giving you the answers before you have the questions you know it's like telling a a kid what to do about sin before they even really understand what that means sure what, what that is or telling somebody about about what happened, you know, con- Jesus conquering death before they, before their goldfish has even gone down the toilet. You know, they don't even really know what, it, what do you mean death. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so we were handed a lot of answers without the questions. And it does just like you were saying about systems, religious systems, particularly, it just, I think accidentally, I think if you just do it out of, out of, out of order, if you answer, if you give the answers before people are asking the questions, you sort of accidentally become somebody or an institution that like, seeks control or, yeah. or it feels like manipulation when the person gets older and is, you know, it's kind of the whole deconstruction. Sure. Thing. I don't, I don't know that it's always like malignant. Like, I don't know that it's always intentional. Like I'm going to control th- these I don't 500 think, I think some people do it out of genuine, like trying to be helpful. Yeah. You know, you're just yeah. like, Oh, don't go through the trouble of like, don't go through the pain of stumbling along the path until you get to your question. Yeah. Let me just give you the answer and then you won't have to go through all that messy life stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, when I was, one of the things I wrote down when I was like kind of journaling some stuff was around that faith, you know, aspect. Um, 
as to how much my life is shaped by fear versus faith, a faith of true authentics, like a willingness to surrender, a faith that fully trusts, a faith that fully believes in the miraculous, a faith that is revealing through a few, um, through fruit of gratitude, enjoying the wait for God to move. Mm-hmm. Do I want God want? Do I actually want what God wants, or do I think God wants what I want? Mm. And so, what does surrender look like for you? So for me personally, um, I you know I have a tendency to want to um, achieve, prove, you know whatever, mm-hmm. and so. Um, for me to surrender in the midst of that is being a uh, uh, being able to say like, hey, I want to release all that stuff, like you know, um, image conscious stuff. Uh, how do I release that in my life? You know, uh, even with our staff, like there are things that I feel myself some sometimes internally wanting to be like more driven on, mm. but like I'm really trying to like surrender elements of that to God to be like, maybe it's not the time, you know, and maybe. Um, it's really more about a season of grace for, you know, like a person on staff or a season of whatever. Um, and so a willingness to surrender even, uh, down to, um, what I hoped our church would be, mm. you know, um, not, not that we aren't what I hoped we would be, but it, it's a level of like, am I truly willing to surrender? Like, Hey, I, this is your church, God, you build it. And, um, I just want to humbly like lead how you want me to it's um they're just elements to that yeah that's good and i think like the stuff that you were talking about that you were working on with cliff and sally about grief is such a huge part of that that we don't think about like you have if you don't learn to grieve well you won't be able to learn to give things up that's mm-hmm. really what grieving is it's like being able to give something over sure. to, to god i mean if we believe what we believe you know yeah. then it's really grieving is the process by which you give a person over to God. Okay, they're not here anymore. I'm going to grieve. And then, you know, in the traditional sense yeah. of grieving at a funeral or whatever. But being able to just sort of microdose grief. Like um, yesterday, my, you know, whatever, my, my walk didn't go the way I wanted it to, or I skipped it. I yelled at my kids. I didn't do a good job at work. I wasn't who I meant to be. And so, like, I'll just grieve who I was yesterday. <laughs> like, yeah. Just real quick. It takes a second. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just going to lay to rest the better me that I could have been yesterday um, and then move into who I know that God wants me yeah. to be. You know, it's like these little, I'm, I'm talking, I talk to people a lot about that a lot, not just the like, yeah, we're going to take time to grieve for like little eight-year-old Matt or John, um, but also like, we're going to take time to grieve for Monday Matt because he was not great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and like... He, the, the, the false self that I, that I sort of, um, stepped into that caused me to whatever, yell at my kids or, or cheat on my taxes or whatever it is. Um, he kind of like killed the better me. And so I need to have a little funeral for better me so that I now today can, can be that person. Yeah. Live into that. Um, so that's really good. It was like we, you know, one of the things too, that Lisa and I talked about, um, was like Mm self-control over sabbatical and, you know, scientifically you only have a certain amount of self-control mm-hmm. every day and so we were trying to figure out that you know the, the way you build more room for self-control is having better discipline mm-hmm. in more things that don't take your self-control so what are some things in your life that you need more discipline with so you're not using up like if you're a seven or an eight mm-hmm. on a self-control scale mm-hmm. but you have to use it all up for food or people at work or whatever yeah. and but then to your spouse or to your friends or whatever uh, 
you have no self-control left. So you're sleeping around because you've used all your self-control, right. you know, or you're drinking a lot or you do whatever it is, or your anger is crazy. And, um, you know, one of the things that we learned was, um, and we were feeling it a little bit as parents mm-hmm. of being like, there were areas in our life where our self-control is being taken up through work stuff or counseling people or whatever. And you, you know, this, like sometimes you sit in counseling sessions and you're using every ounce of self-control to be like, don't be an idiot. To Stop being an idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> or whatever. And, um, but you know, even trying to think through like, what are areas in our lives that we need better discipline so that when we're home as parents, mm. that our self-control is where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're mild mannered people as it is, but like we all, we just, we did, we felt like we we're a little more on edge with our kids and, yeah. and they need it. And we saw it like over sabbatical. It was like, Oh, we have way more self-control and we were handling things way better. Um, because it was just available, yeah. you know? And so what does that look like when you're, you know, at work now, you yeah. know, back and so. And I think that plays into our grace too, right? Yeah. Like I, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was reading recently, um, about there, this idea that there are three types of grace. There's natural grace, which is kind of the grace of like a tree or, you know, it's more like what I get in the park, right? It's just like the, the, the grace of this squirrel is not going to try to murder you. He's just going to do what he does and let you watch. Right. Yeah. And then there's human grace, which is the grace that we show one another. And then there's divine grace, which is kind of like those two rolled up into an eternal, like it never ends. There's, right. There's yeah. enough of it for everybody. Yeah. And he was talking about human grace and it really made me think of that willpower thing. Like, it's good to be a gracious person, but your grace is not eternal. You have a supply of it at the beginning <laughs> sure, of the day. Yeah. And so if someone, I don't know, if somebody cuts you off in traffic and you sprinkle some grace on them, you don't have that, like that grace is used up. Wouldn't yeah. it be better to just not care that somebody <laughs> cut you off in traffic? Yeah. Because grace is different. Grace is you were wrong and that's okay. Yeah. Not caring is like, oh, I guess that person's in a hurry. That's fine and yeah. just not think about it you know so it's like we use up our willpower we use up our grace so that then yeah you're in a counseling session or your kids need a little grace or your spouse needs a little grace and you realize that because you were keeping a record of wrongs of everything that was going on and forgiving them you don't have any forgiveness at four o'clock right yeah, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you don't have any grace at six o'clock when it's time to do dinner and bedtime or whatever yeah um so it's kind of like moving into grace so that not everything um triggers your aggression or ire right and then moving from maturing from like human grace into like just um i guess you could say healthy detachment not everybody loves that but like a sort of like friendly distance from from the things that occur during the day or having a little more godly wisdom around like you know what i mean like 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 a wisdom maturity like to be like it's actually just not a big deal yeah it's fine yeah the couple the pda couple at the gym as much as it frustrated me like i was like I felt it like it's funny, like over sabbatical, like trying to like get more in tune with like things that bother you or frustrate you that are take like something out of you. Mm-hmm. I actually felt it like all kidding aside. I felt that with that couple because I was like, so annoyed at yeah. them. You know, I was like, why do I care? Yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And you think of the wise person. If you think of the sort of cartoon version of a wise, wise old man at the top of the mountain or whatever, yeah. he's kind of unshakable. Yeah. You know, like he if he raises his voice or forgives you or whatever, you had to really like do something. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of like the wise person is, or even in your own life, like you meet, if you know, it's, it's usually older people cause they just have the life behind them. Right. Yeah. You meet like a, I don't know, like a Lamar Bannister or somebody <laughs> like that. And you're just like, guy's a little unshakable. <laughs> like he just <laughs> kind of has yeah. a like way about him, you know, yeah. um, and Marjorie and that they're just my go-to wise people. But, um, <laughs> 
Well, that's cool. We, we've talked a while. I feel like I have a million other questions, but um, is there anything else that you kind of want to share either for our community or folks that are listening um, of just kind of final thoughts on your sabbatical? Yeah. I th- you know, I think we always talk about the value of rest mm-hmm. and you got to figure out what that looks like for you. And um, you might not have a job that you can do a sabbatical, obviously, yeah. um, but you need weekly rhythms of rest and you can't get around that. Um, I think, you know, that the time we spent um, digging into more of that kind of emotional health and mental health uh, areas of our lives and trying to discover new things and new disciplines and freeing up ourselves, you know, for the right things was like really, it was a big deal. Um, and I didn't even share this. I shared the story with you before, but like learning that fear of embarrassment is actually my greatest fear. You know, I used to think it was failure, but that's not actually true. But like the steps that like, that happened of like learning that and like discovering some of those things it is like it helps me understand myself way more and it frees me up to see uh to see like things I should see and and also frees me up to like be aware of things and be like oh like you're that's like your false self or that's like stepping into stuff you just shouldn't you know and i think that time invested is just invaluable mm. and if you cut short that on a weekly basis daily basis or even you know if you do get a chance to like go away for a couple weeks or whatever um, I just think everyone should do it. Yeah. Like I really do. I, I, I think the time and investment you'll do, the, the fruit that comes out on the other side of just, you know, whether it's taking the aligning track or like learn, you know, just going through some stuff of just learning and growing in that manner is just so dang fruitful. Hmm. So that's wonderful. Very cool. Well, thanks to everyone for hanging in there over our little break for joining us um, at the launch of season four of Stay Curious. Um, if you have quips, quotes, comments, or concerns, you can email them to stay curious at hillcityrva.com. Um, take a second to rate and review us if you haven't already and share the episode so that others can get in on the conversation. And until next time, as always, remember to stay curious. curious.